Thank you everyone who was at the beach this morning. Um, it's taking me a long time to get to this point, and I'm really excited to um, share my testimony with the church. Um, shall we rise up um, for prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we pray that at this divine moment that you let the abundance of your spirit consume all of us so that your truth will be illuminated to us as I share my testimony about the, the truth of my experience uh, with your grace and for the redemption of everyone here. Amen. So like many people here already know, um, I grew up in a Muslim family, and I'll give you a little background about that. Um, I, I, I come from Nigeria, and we, I migrated to Australia in 2017 with my family. And up to the point I came here, I had been exposed to Christianity, but certainly not the... I had not been, I had not believed in the, in the, um, the Christian, the, the, the story of Christianity. So I've been, while growing up as a Muslim, I wasn't really convinced. And, I mean, that's my nature. It's taken me five years to come up here to talk about this because I'm certainly not, I, I, I need the facts before I, before I'm convinced about anything. And if the facts do not add up, I won't, I mean, I won't be on board. <laughs> so I'm more of a mathematical thinker, and I always tell, I tell colleagues that the difference between mathematics and statistics is that statistics assumes that there is no truth, and that the only thing that is certain in statistics is the uncertainty of truth. But, in, I mean, mathematics, if it's a triangle, it's got three sides, it's got three angles. But, I mean, interestingly, I'm not an engineer, neither am I a mathematician. I'm, I'm a medical doctor. I work as a GP. Yeah, but with, I think with that uh, mindset, there was something. Islam is a beautiful religion, I must tell you. It's a beautiful religion, but there is just one thing that is missing. And what is missing is not the person of Christ. The person of Christ is acknowledged in Islam, but it's the work that Christ did. So the work of Christ is missing, and Christmas was fun as a Muslim, was really nice, especially in the southern part of Nigeria where I grew up, and we had Christmas, we had this time, was, it was always lots of fun, I mean, we enjoyed um, special meals and all of that, but I always asked myself that, okay, why, why was it that on Christmas morning people would go to church talk about all these things, and I attended the, an Anglican primary school, so I knew a bit about the story and all of that, So, but I kept asking myself that there was something that was missing, and looking at how religion evolved in Nigeria over time, I mean, on both sides of the divide, I realized that the, uh, the real um, social and moral impact of religion was lost, and I had more reason not to be convinced so I explored other concepts, um, philosophical concepts about thinking and all of that. But I, I, I knew that certainly there is God. So I couldn't be brought into the, the philosophy of atheism. So, but with that, I was just there. I wasn't really interested. And 
when Shadi and I got married in 2006, she was already a Christian, and I said, yeah, that's fine. You, I mean, I would even drive them to church, and a couple of times I attended some churches, but I wasn't, the moment I would enter the church, I would know instantly if, if they were real or not, because at least I wasn't an atheist. I still understood the concept of God, and I could relate with, I could sense if what people were doing was true or if they were, I mean, deceptive. So when we came over to Australia in 2017, um, they found the church, and I would take them to church. I would just wait in the car, and they would go in, and whenever they came out, I would take them home, and that was it. Um, after a few months, the, it was time for the kids to start school. Then I would, Then we looked around for some schools. We got a list of some schools from friends and associates, and we, that morning we went out, looked for schools, and the first school we got to, they said, okay, um, long waiting list, we go to another school, no visa this, visa that, I was like, okay. But when we got to this school, um, at, at that time, um, Pastor Julie was the acting, vice, acting principal, and the first thing that was different was that we were, we were not only attended to at the reception, we were taken into the principal's office, and the whole family sat down, she had this conversation with us. At that point, we had no clue that this school had a church or there was a relationship between the school and the church. So we were well received, and I think this was like the third or the fourth school we checked, yeah? So at that point, I said, look, we are going home. And they were like, yeah, I said, look, yeah, with that I had seen all those other schools, I mean, big schools, beautiful compounds and all of that, but I had never believed, I always say it, I still tell the kids, I don't believe in good schools, I believe in good students. Because I attended a, yeah, I attended a low-level public school, but, by, and, but my school had a tradition, it was a low-level, very low-level public school, but they had a tradition of, that building mentality in, I mean, it was a boys only school, but building that mentality that you are, that you can beat those guys in the top schools. And by the time I was in the final year of, of secondary school, I came first in the national chemistry competition. <laughs> so, and that was, I mean, it's, it took the, the, it took the school's name to a different level. So I've always, so when we got to this school, these buildings were not even here then. But I was like, yeah, I said, it's, it's all about the student, not, that it's not, it's not the structures, if the, that the students can change the name and take the name of their school to a different level. So I wasn't really, so when they talked about all those, the, the top schools in Perth, I'm like, look, I don't believe in that. And, I mean, some years later, I found out that Robin Warren, the, I mean, after whom the Robin Warren Drive was named, it was one of the co-discoverers of Helicobacter pylori. It's one of the biggest medical discoveries from Western Australia. He grew up in Kalgoorlie. <laughs> so he, didn't, he did not attend Perth Modern. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, I, so I told her, I said, look, you will, will settle for this school. And we came in, and the, and the kids settled in. I think Tola first of, Tola's first friend at this school was Katrina Cregan. <laughs> so that, I mean, that was Tola's first friend, yeah. So and the kids settled in. Then um, that was 
the, the school, school started February. We came in July 2017. School started August, I mean, February 2018. Then after about four weeks, there was an event. There was this um, dad, kids and dad's night out. So, <laughs> so we had to, I mean, that was our first experience with um, an event like that, that we don't usually have uh, such things uh, where we come from. So it was, it was, it was exciting. And we came in, we, we had to go by our tents and all of that. So we came in that night and we, we had, I mean, it was really nice for the kids being on the school compound at night. So then the next morning, they, after all the games and everything, they said, okay, that the, one of the pastoral, members of the pastoral team would like to have a conversation with the dads. So I thought, okay, they want to talk about religion and all of that. Okay, we'll listen to them. As in, I was, I was an absolute skeptic. So, and after that, we sat down. Then Jason was Jason Pelling. And Jason came up, came up, sat down with us, and talked. I mean, spoke to us about the mission work of the school, and he talked about the church, talked about about an invitation to to um, sort of benefit from the work of Christ. So, the what struck me about the his talk was that it was different from every other preaching I had heard. And interestingly, as at that time, my family had been attending um, a church. So I thought, so when, when, when I got home, I told my wife, I said, hey, let's, uh, that I listened to these guys today and it was different and they were very inviting, that there was more of, I mean, there is grace for everyone, you can come in and you can experience what we have to offer. So I thought, okay. So I told her, I said, okay, maybe we should try this church at some point. She said, okay, maybe we'll try. So that was, like, I think the event was the first weekend in March. So after about two weeks, we said, okay, let's give these guys, let's try this place. And that was March 2018. So we walked, that Sunday morning, we just, we came in. And I said, I said, oh, look. There is a presence of God in this place. I sensed it instantly. And I said, there is a presence of God in this place. That, and we listened to the message. Then we started coming. And I kept saying, I said, look, the, this, these guys are preaching the truth of this faith. And, and, I, and in fact, I told I said, look, a church like this is going to grow very slowly. That they are not going to get the big crowd because of the, the quality of their messaging and all of that. So then the big surprise came in December, and we thought there would be Christmas decorations everywhere. <laughs> and having been someone, I mean, even when I was a Muslim, I loved, I loved Christmas celebration and everything. And enough, I mean, to see a church where Christmas was not a big deal, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. <laughs> I would be interested in knowing, in understanding the thinking behind this. So, over the, so we kept coming, and what I have found over the years in, in that context, in the context of why a church would 
have as one of its distinctives the fact that they don't celebrate Christmas like the world does is the same thing like I see myself back then as a Muslim who had no who had no no issues with Christ, no problems with Christ that okay, yes, is recognized as a prophet in Islam, but the work of Christ is not recognized. And it's the same thing with Christmas and the culture. The, the, there was a story before Christmas Day. It wasn't just Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve is a big thing in Lagos, where I come from. I mean, growing up, there was lots of fun. But there was a story. There was a story before the birth of Jesus, which the culture behind Christmas today ignores. And there was a life of Christ after Christmas. When mere mortals like us die, we talk about their, their, I mean, when they were born, when they died, and we emphasize a lot about their life's work. But the, the story of Christmas and Easter, we jump from December, we jump to, to April. There, I mean, this guy did something, and there was a reason behind what he did. And I think that's what God has helped me to understand in the last five years. So it's taken a long time, but I've come to understand the concept of sin, the purpose of atonement, and the, the, the death and the resurrection of Christ. And I, I can understand now why these are complex things. Because uh, if you look at um, like some, one, of the, one of the top, I mean, the giants of, of the Christian faith, the, I mean, the Apostle Paul, um, a significant part of his effort was dedicated to addressing different heresies that came up in the churches he set up. And one of those heresies was in First Corinthians, where he, he tried to explain to the church the futility in the idea of Christianity without resurrection of Christ. And he, he, he labored that point carefully, and he even made, it, made, made us realize that, look, if Christ was not raised, then we, we are all here wasting our time. Yeah. And if indeed he was raised, if he, if he, if he was born and we, found, we have found it necessary and worthy to celebrate his birth, then the purpose of his life's work, his, crucif- his crucifixion and his resurrection are far more important because that was what he came to, to do. And that is, the, that is what underpins the, the Christian faith. So I realize that it's not, only the, it's not only Islam that excludes the work of Christ. There are, it's, it's something that has been muted even within sections of the Christian faith. And even the value ascribed to the, 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 the power of the work that Christ did. Is the re- in fact, the difference in how much value is placed on what it did for us is the reason why this church can stand independent of Rome today. Because that was what underscored the, the Protestant uh, Revo- uh, Re- uh, Reformation. So, I mean, back to my own story. The, so that's how I got to understand what was missing over the years. And I'm deeply thankful to this church um, for creating a space where the truth of the word is preached. I once shared with Pastor Wayne that when I started coming to this church, I, 
I prayed to God for a spirit of stubbornness. Yeah, that I want to persist at this. And, I mean, at that time, I used to work night shift. I think the practice was still running 24 hours, and I would come close nights, I would come in in the morning, and I would spend half of the time sleeping. <laughs> I would doze off, wake up, do some notes, <laughs> doze off again. <laughs> but I just told myself that I was going to persist, that this, this is a message of truth, and I will pursue this to the end and I want to see what this story is all about and I knew for sure that if at some if you if at some point that the the church was not going to remain focused on its goal I would know and I mean to God be the glory they've handled the word of God as um, as true um, truly ordained ministers of God and I mean, we thank God for their lives, and I'm really grateful for what um, this church has done in in my life and in the life of my family. So when we came to Australia, we came with with our hopes, with our expectations. We also came with our problems. And over, like many people are aware, over the course of time, I mean, God has been very, I mean, gracious to us. Is um, helped us address uh, many of these problems. And we, I mean, to him only, um, we return the glory. So, um, back to my experience. So, with, with what I've seen and what I've tasted, I know for sure that it's not because I deserved this. It's just because of the grace of God. It's, I mean, absolutely, it's not because I deserve it. It's because of the grace of God. That's why I would, I mean, God would direct my path the way he has done it. I would hold on to the fact that, okay, I wasn't convinced. For many of my sisters back home are Christians. Yeah, many of them, they, I mean, they, they converted to, even before they got married, they had become Christians. But I, I wasn't just convinced about what the message was. And I, now I can understand why I wasn't convinced back then because I, I knew that a lot of the, the, message, the, the message of the church in my home country did not tally with the truths of the, of the Christian faith. And I think that, that was one thing that prevented me from buying into the idea then if when I was in medical school I I at a point I started attending a Christian fellowship but I attended one or two events where some people were invited and they were like okay if you that people were going to receive the Holy Spirit and some people came and they were pushing people down and I was like come on this is physics <laughs> like, this is not so but I, but I know, but I know that I mean, spiritual things are spiritual things. Physical things are physical, and it's it's one of those things that I found in this church that the truth of the word is preached, and people are allowed and supported to grow slowly and gradually along their spiritual journey. the The journey of the Christian life is not a straight line graph. It's lots of ups and downs. I mean, we, 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 we are benefits of 
incomprehensible grace. And we continue to live in grace. And we, we can only hold on to this faith that, that we have. Um, in, in, a, in, a, in this country, I mean, you guys have got a beautiful country here. You've got everything working. It's different from where in the developing country where we come from. And I can understand why they would say only 3 to 5% of the Australian population believe in the existence of God. Only about 3% um, profess the Christian faith. The, there are lots of challenges um, that people face back home every day in my own country that would make it readily acceptable for people to believe or want to associate with the supreme being. But unfortunately, the, the truth of, of God himself is often not preached. And because people are desperate, they are often, I mean, the system takes advantage of them. And religious systems have been known to be as corrupt as political systems in developing countries. So, um, but I, from my experience at work, and, inter- and living in this country, I've come to realize that, I mean, that especially the young people need lots of prayers so that they can hold on to this truth. Because there is so much opposition to anything that has got to do with God or anything that has got to do with the church or anything that has got to do with the faith or religion in, uh, in this society and it it can be very challenging for young people so for i mean it's it's difficult when, when if you grow up believing in the concept of god it's easier to preach to that uh, kind of a person than to talk to someone who has never believed in the existence of god in their life and like the material we read this morning um talked about the foolishness of preaching Interestingly, while I was attending that meeting that morning, I looked at Jason and I was like, oh, okay, he's going to tell us some, I mean, he's going to tell us some stuff about religion. Yeah, absolutely. I think Paul was very right that preaching is foolishness. And from experience now, somebody that tries to share the word of God with people, I know that, yeah, it can be, it can be daunting and you just know that Sometimes the Spirit just tells you, you just try. And really, the, the purpose of evangelism is not really for you to make that change. It's God that will make that change. But you are instructed to just do what you have to do. And I think that was what Jason was doing that morning. Uh, because it's, it's like um, when um, Lord Jesus told the, the new disciples then that it was going to turn them to fishers of men. Yeah, so in this case, um, preaching is the only form of fishing you do without a bait. Because you're going to have to fish for men, and you don't... I mean, I think there is a professional fisherman uh, who, who would understand I mean, the challenge of trying... I've gone on a fishing trip once, and I know that... I don't know how you try to fish without having a bait... So, but I think that's what preaching, especially the way it's done here. Back home, yeah, you could preach and tell people that, hey, you come to our church, there will be miracles and people stage miracles. 
But when you go out there and preach the word of God as it is to people, your chances, you know that your chances of success in terms of the numbers of people that, that will come is very, very small. So Paul was very right that it's actually a form of foolishness. But like the text right, rightly says, it's those foolish things of the world that God, that God uses to make the big changes. And at, at, I mean, I'm a, um, I, I'm a witness to what the effort of Jason that morning has resulted in. And I pray, I, I, I always tell the kids that, in fact, I did a small quiz for them. I asked them, I said, what do you think is the greatest achievement of Pastor Wayne and Pastor Julie? Okay, someone said it's the school. Someone said, I said, no, it's not the school. That somebody else would have taken, up, taken over that school and they would have built it. I said, someone said it's the church. I said, no. That, I mean, the church, people start churches every day. Then I think it was Tola that said that is having their sons believe in God. I said exactly that it's that, that, that is a, it's a, it's a daunting task. Um, passing on the faith to the next generation. Uh, because nobody, I mean, I can argue this anyway, that nobody inherits their faith. So, but, I mean, having that grace from God for your faith to be passed on to your children and you create that generational effect, it's a, it's a huge thing. And it, uh, as people who are, are leaders in the faith, I think we will continue to pray for them and we will continue to be grateful for what God has accomplished in their lives. Um, so much um, for, I mean, everything that's, that has happened over the years. We are really thankful to, to the church. We are thankful to God for his grace. Um, but I think um, for those of us, who are still skeptical, if you are still not convinced about the reality and the truth of the Christian faith, I will conclude um, by describing briefly what uh, the Apostle Paul um, wrote to Timothy in, the, in his first letter. That's the first, uh, first Timothy uh, chapter 3, verse 16, that the, the mystery of godliness is great. Um, Christ appeared in the body, it was vindicated by the spirit, it was seen by angels, it was preached among the nations, it was believed on in the world, and it was taken up in glory. It's beyond all questions. I can assure you, if there was, if truly um, Christ was not raised, the investments in archaeology would have uncovered the bones of Christ. Yeah, a lot of excavations has been done in that area. A lot of excavations has been done in uh, in, in uh, Philippi, in uh, where we had all the early churches. So the, it, it's real. It's some these things happened, and it was actually raised, and it, it died for our redemption, and it was raised for our justification. And this is the this is um, the faith we pro- we profess. And I can assure anyone here that, I mean, it is true and it is something that is worth holding on to. Irrespective of life's challenges, God is real. 
Christ is always there interceding for us, and we only need to surrender to him, and it's going to make um, our journey a lot um, easier. I thank you all for listening. Just before, when I sat down, um, I felt the Holy Spirit say, he's got a gift of preaching. <laughs> and now I realize that was true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we're changing things up this morning because we've had such a great message this morning. <laughs> wow. Praise God. <laughs> Thank you, Deepo. Truly. Now I'm looking, where? Sade. Sade, Tom, BJ, Tola. We want you to come and join us. Sorry. Yeah. We're going to do, this is going to be a bit different, everybody. We've not done something like this before, but Julie and I felt prompted early this morning to do, do this. So we'd like to pray for the whole family. And as we do that, I also want to invite um, the people that have been in house church with this family to come and be mm-hmm. part of this come up here as well and just surround them and anyone else that wants to come up and just stand and bless this family would you come and do that it's a big thing to to uproot your family um from from a totally different continent and culture come up on the platform here oh did you okay 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 i think we're gonna run out of room yeah so jason you come up yeah Yeah. house church house church leaders come up yeah it is such a big thing yeah to uh, to bring your family uh, into yeah. a culture you've never been in before, you don't fully understand it, um, and to come in, in to, you, to re-establish your life. Now, some of you sitting in the room, you've done that. You've moved here. You've got a bit of an inkling of what that might have been like. Uh, but I, Julie and I both felt like that this morning was really important and God wanted to do something in a, we want to declare to the Idris family, you are part of God's family and you're part of this family. All of you together and we love you deeply and we're so glad that God brought you from Nigeria to be part of us. And we want to pray a blessing. Julie's going to pray a blessing on yeah, you can, yeah, come on, yeah, respond. Come on. I heard you stand yeah, up stand, and clap. clap. Yeah, it's a welcome forward. clap. Yeah. yeah, praising God, thanking him. Yeah, yeah, we're just agreeing mm. with what yeah. with what God has done. He's a, he is a miracle worker and his grace, we have experienced it. Those of you that know Jesus, we walk in that grace. This family has begun that journey. Now, Shade, you were the first one, <laughs> and uh, it is continuing, and Depot has testified to that this morning, and we want to we pray for you. We want to pray for you. And um, we know that God has purposes mm, for Tom. For Tom, BJ, BJ and Tola. And Tola as yeah, well. That you will carry this the faith. This is all part of his doing, yeah. that you are here. It's not an accident. Yeah, let's pray yeah. that God will do this mm. work of grace and in each of their Lord lives. Yeah. Lord, I think, of, mm. um, I think of David's psalm. The end of Psalm 23, when he says, you've anointed, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy 
shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And Lord Jesus, we echo this psalm that was prompted by Holy Spirit. And we speak it over this family and we speak it with them today. Lord, that you have anointed this family with the oil of joy, the cup overflowing, the presence of God coming to rest in their lives. We worship you, Father. We worship you, Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of Christ in this family. And we give you thanks because you've done what no one else can do. And that is to convince the heart, the human heart of the truth. And Lord, we thank you for the healing and the restoration that has taken place and will continue to take place all the days of their lives. We thank you that your mercy has run after them. We give you praise that we see it so clearly. Lord, even as you've taken them out of the land that they knew, just like Abraham, and you've sent them to another land, you've brought them into the place of your blessing the place where you chose to bless them. And we now, God, we ask that the desires of Depot and Shade's hearts for their children would come to pass as well. And that in that generation, the generation of Tom and BJ and Tola, we would see the goodness. We would see your mercy poured out. We would see the truth taking their hearts captive and their lives being lived for you. And we say yes to your magnificent grace able to do all these things for your glory and your praise. And we bless this family, Lord, and the generations that will come in your mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen.